Hello, beautiful people. It's Sarah. Welcome to or welcome back to Hack Your Universe. Let me just tell you, before we get into things, what a doozy recording this episode has been. So I already was just feeling a little unmotivated, kind of not creative. And with the way my schedule is, I have very few stretches of time that I can actually like sit down and and grind it out. And anytime I would find one, I would be like, it's just not it's just not happening and I was trying to give myself the advice that I would give others which is like you don't have to force it you know it's it's not that deep you're not getting paid for this (laughs) it's gonna be okay like take your bath and then as soon as I started to pick up some momentum earlier this week I got hit with a massive stomach virus and let me tell you I have not been ill to that degree since I was a child six, seven, eight years old. Nope, nothing like that since then. And I've been sick a lot this year because of the kids. I love those monkeys, but damn, I've been out here working in the trenches, catching all kinds of colds and illnesses and viruses and infections, you name it. However, that stomach bug, that that took the cake for sure. But I recovered miraculously. I got all my demons out and now we're here. But enough about me. What's going on with you? Okay, cool. Good talk. Welcome to May. That's pretty wild. This episode was actually planned for April. This is how backed up my my episode log is right now. But honestly, I think it's fitting that this is happening in May because it was an extension of the it's never April idea, which if you listened to my last episode, you heard the bit about how I don't believe that April as a month exists. I think it's just this liminal space in the calendar year without a vibe. Welcome to my brain. But the fact that it is now May and we're well into May is all the proof I need that where is April? Where is she? Was she ever here? It's giving, have you seen this month? No, because it doesn't exist. Underneath that bit is the idea of presence. And I think the Concepts like be here now, live in the moment, all we have is now, everything is happening at once. Those ideas can get really lost in this like esoteric conceptual space. And it's like, how do we actually experience presence in our day-to-day life? How do we slow down time? How do we experience life sensorily? So that's kind of been my spiritual hunt of the month is putting together my own little personal guide that I can share with you all for how to watch your motherfucking movie. How do we work with instead of against all the twists and turns and ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys that our films offer us? And for whatever reason, my life has an abundance of those. I mean, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. At least I'm aware, right? I think if I had to summarize presence it would be the practice of awareness. Presence can be mismarketed as like this magical island destination that we can stand on and experience our life through. But on a more realistic level, it's a practice. It's a active conscious integration of our sensations into our experience. Our sensations meaning our physical sensations and our emotional experiences. And this begins on a very micro level of experience. It begins in our day-to-day lives, in our routines, in our physical worlds. 
If I could leave you with one knowledge nugget from this episode, it would be how you do anything is how you do everything. I want to say it again, and I'll say it many times, I'm sure. How you do anything is how you do everything. You can learn everything you need to learn about how you relate to your life by looking at how you do your everyday things. Additionally, life is where you are right now. And you can't get anywhere that you're trying to go if you don't know where you are. Like, I'm never going to get to Hawaii if I don't know where I'm standing. And then even once I get to Hawaii, it's a practice to understand and appreciate and love Hawaii for what it is. Because the image, the expectation of what Hawaii is and feels like is not how it's going to be. And if I haven't practiced understanding and loving and appreciating where I am right now, then when I get to Hawaii, I won't know how to do that. I will now be fantasizing and dreaming and longing for another island that I think is better than Hawaii. I think this is a really human thing that we do. I call it the destination mindset. It's like we hyperfixate on something that doesn't exist yet, whether it be a person, a place, a thing, a job, whatever it is. And we're like, oh, if I could just have that thing, then it will be easier to experience being. And of course, it's great to plan and have goals and aspirations because like, what is life if not a pursuit of what you want to have? But if you don't practice being where your feet are, you won't know how to be present once the things that you want have arrived. You may not even be able to recognize that the things have arrived. You may not even know you're in Hawaii and you're still searching for Hawaii. Because we've gotten so used to disassociating from our now and reaching for something that doesn't exist yet. And we get used to experiencing life in a state of longing and a lack of contentment. All we've taught ourselves to do is search for the next thing and always want something else. Instead of practicing stillness in the face of exactly what is. It's like spending your whole life editing your movie instead of actually watching your movie. You know? You know. With that little philosophical preface out of the way, let's get into the nitty gritty. I'm going to share with you my little guidebook that I've been working on recently for how to experience presence in a practical way slash how to watch your motherfucking movie. So when you're watching a movie, what do you need? A remote, right? And your remote is your character. It's your brain, your body, your heart, your being. And think about the resources available to you on a remote control. You have your play button, you have your pause button, your stop button, your rewind, and your fast forward button. These are your tools to experience your life. So first, let's talk about the play button. And this is your default setting. This is where you want to be. This is where your movie is rolling and you're watching and you're moving through your life and your things and you're enjoying it for the most part. I mean, there's ups and downs and twists and turns, of course, but you're meeting those things with presence and patience and you're not too hung up on what happened before or too afraid about what's coming next. You're just riding the waves. And this doesn't mean you're only experiencing happiness. It means you're letting yourself experience the whole range of human emotion. And you're allowing yourself space to be uncomfortable when you're uncomfortable, be angry when you're angry, be sad when you're sad. It's the recognition that emotions are sensations, sensations are temporary, they will pass, and they don't define your experience. They're just part of your experience. This is presence. 
And this is a lot easier said than done, right? Because what happens is the movie gets hard and we immediately stop enjoying it. We start identifying too much with a low of the movie or like a big emotional scene and we come to think that the whole movie sucks. Or perhaps we've been watching the same scene too many times. Our life has become mundane and kind of boring and we're like, damn, I don't like this movie anymore. I want to change the whole movie, watch a new one. So what happens is we start to kind of mentally abuse the rewind and the fast forward buttons. And we're like, damn, if only I was back there in that scene with that thing or that person, I could enjoy the movie. Or if I could only fast forward to that scene later on, I could enjoy the movie. So if you find yourself pulled into the past or reaching for a future that hasn't arrived yet and the balance feels off to you, how do you get back to where you are? I think you have to double down on your play button. You have to overcorrect a little and actually play. This is the whole idea behind get silly, be weird, connect to your childlike sense of wonder. I think there's this negative association with children and this is deeply ingrained in the way that we think adults have all the knowledge and kids are born to be trained. But what I want to teach you is that there's a difference between childish and childlike. And I think we need to make a lot of room for that childlikeness, especially if our movie feels hard to watch. This means letting in the curiosity, the playfulness, the newness of each moment. So how do we do this? Boops. You have to boop yourself. (laughs) You know, like when somebody boops your nose, that's like an unexpected and silly moment that has the ability to honestly lighten up any experience. It pulls you right back into the present. It's pattern interruption funking up the formula let me tell you one of my favorite ways to boop the kids at school so a kid will come up to me super upset about something not that serious but you know it's serious to them so i'm gonna take it seriously but first i'm gonna boop them for example a kid comes up to me sobbing because his buddy doesn't want to play Encanto with him and i'm like oh wow you seem really upset right now i believe you we'll get to the bottom of this together but first i need to ask you something Come here. Let me whisper this to you because this is really important. And I'll like really drag this out, right? I'll be like, are you ready? Are you sure? This is a really important question. Are you sure you're sure? And at this point, they're so curious about what I have to ask that they've started to calm themselves down already. And I'll be like, okay, do you have a belly button? And then we'll laugh and everything is lighter. And then we can address the issue from a safer emotional space. That's the boop. But, you know, as adults, we have the responsibility of regulating ourselves, which is really hard. It's really hard. So let's talk about some ways you can boop yourself back into the moment when things feel tricky. Some of these are pretty specific personal practices. Others are a little more broad and can be interpreted many ways. So as always, take what lands, leave what doesn't. Here we go. Number one, legs up the wall. I've talked about this before, but really, guys, this is is just the best thing you can do for yourself is switch your perspective. And you can do this by putting your legs up the wall. You can do this by getting into a headstand. You can lay on the floor. You can lay upside down on your couch. Really, anything that switches the way you're looking at things on a physical level, it really, really helps. Because we get so used to experiencing life, you know, standing up, facing forward, like moving through life in one way and we gotta switch it up sometimes and on that note temperature play switching up the temperature of your life whether it be heating it up or cooling it down depending on what you need and i think we need both 
Um, as you know, big hot yoga girl, love to sweat. There are many, many ways that you can search for this sweat, but I think letting your body heat up is really, really important. And additionally, letting it cool down is really, really important. So you can do this obviously with a cold shower. I'm not a big fan of that whole experience yet. I've tried. But what I like to do is stick my face into a bowl of ice water. I call it microdosing a cold shower. It just completely resets me. It's honestly pretty scary, but that's part of it. You can't breathe for a moment, but you get through it. Sometimes if I'm not feeling that whole experience, I'll just take a single ice cube and rub it on my face. Honestly, I just realized something. The kids at school are obsessed with ice packs. Like, they'll ask for them all the time, even when they definitely haven't been physically hurt, which is what they're there for, but that's what they're doing, I guess. Okay, wow. Big paradigm shift. Write that down, Sarah. Also, doing things with your left hand, or I should say your non-dominant hand. Um, like brushing your teeth, doing the dishes, really any like daily tasks that feel boring to you, you can force yourself into presence by making them more challenging by using your non-dominant hand. It's silly, but it's a really cool practice. It forces you to move slowly and act with intention in an activity that you would otherwise just rush through the motions of. And let me put you on to the Quip toothbrush. This transformed my toothbrushing experience. It's just a simple vibrating toothbrush and it's timed i think for two minutes and it buzzes every 30 seconds so it lets you know like when you're a fourth of the way there halfway there three-fourths and then finished and i just love it because i'm like okay brushing away i'm in quadrant one and then i hear the buzz and then i'm like okay quadrant two and i can really just be in quadrant two this is silly, but I think toothbrushing is a really great place to practice presence. I don't know why I do this or did this, but in the past, I would start brushing my teeth and immediately need to do something else. Anybody else? I would like be trying to put things away in my bathroom or like sometimes I would even end up in another room. And I'm like, how did I get here? I'm foaming at the mouth. Why couldn't you just fucking brush your teeth, Sarah? Like talk about an inability to be here now. It's embarrassing, but that right there will show you how you do anything is how you do everything. Okay, let's move on. Smells are also something to explore, whether it's candles, incense, oils, things like that. Those are really good ways just to amplify and change up daily experiences and pull you back into experiencing life sensorily. And that right there is honestly the biggest hack to presence is experiencing life sensorily. Like when you feel too lost in your head, it's really important to find a way back into your body. And how do you do that? Taste, touch, smell, fuck, what are they? Sight, hearing, yeah, wow, yeah, okay. That's really how you pull yourself back into a moment. Smell works the best for me, but something else might work better for you. So stimulate one of your senses when you feel lost in the sauce. Another major key, get ready, popsicles. I said what I said. Popsicles are the best. It's not a snack. It's not a drink. It's its own magical experience that not only connects you to your childlike sense of wonder, but it grounds you, pulls you right back into your body, right back into the present moment, and it lightens up the experience just like a boob should do. I'm not ashamed to say it is a staple on my grocery list. It's always been, ever since I was a kid. If you know, you know. Outshine popsicles in the Omniplace household. And contrary to popular belief, popsicles are not just reserved for warm spring and summer months. Nope, year-round, year-round. There's no such thing as bad popsicle weather, okay? All right, now moving on to some more broad boops. Um, traveling. 
One of the best ways to practice presence is to go somewhere new. There's this quote in this book that I really love. It's called To Shake the Sleeping Self by Jedediah Jenkins. And it's something like, to get back to the mind of a child, you have to travel. He said it way more beautifully than that, but you get the point. And it doesn't have to be a big fancy trip, okay? I think we need to reframe the practice of traveling. I think that we can microdose for lack of a better term traveling by simply taking a different route home or going to a new grocery store i think when we confine our life to the things we always do or the places we always go we begin to experience life habitually and this is when we go into autopilot and our movie gets a little mundane and this affects us big time because we start to memorize patterns of action and patterns of emotion. We start to associate certain emotions with certain environments and experiences, and it's important to shake things up a bit. And when you do have the luxury of exploring or immersing yourself in a brand new place you've never been, that's when you can unlock a whole new level of presence. You can really get into that childlike mind because everything is new and you have to meet it for what it is. You don't know what's around that corner. You don't know what the food at that restaurant is going to taste like. You're just exploring and taking in all of this information and letting it all be new. You're not expecting things to go a certain way. You're just playing and living and watching. So if you can travel, go for it. See as many places as you can. This can be in your city, in your state, in your country, beyond if you can. I think the more environments that you can add to your movie, the more interesting the movie is. And the more practice you can collect at being where your feet are. The last note on playing that I have is to create. Create anything. Anything and everything. I'm a firm believer that every single human being on this planet is an artist regardless of the medium. And it's important to find yours. So this can be drawing. This can be podcasting this can be writing like whatever it is find something to produce that feels natural and fulfilling to you i used to keep sketchbooks and when i was an orientation leader i was working with this team of people and i made it a goal to by the end of summer create a piece of art in the sketchbook with every single person on the team and it was really interesting and helped me get to know how the person thought about themselves and their artistic abilities by just handing them like my bag of pens because some people would be like no no, no i'm like i'm not an artist i can't draw whatever but then when they let themselves actually sit and just see what came out it was really really beautiful and it i think helped shift that paradigm that a lot of us have that like we aren't an artist and we can't create things because it's a lie we can especially in this hyper consumerist society that we live in it's really important to balance out that consuming with creation so find your thing whatever it is so that was my working list of ways to intentionally press the play button when your movie's feeling a little boring or hard to watch. And I also think the mantra, do it for the plot, fits in nicely with those ideas because that's what we're doing. We're trying new things, we're switching it up, we're meeting new people, we're saying yes, all in the name of an interesting movie. All right, let's move on to the pause button. This is arguably the most powerful button on the remote, and it is also a really, really hard muscle to train. But the practice of pausing is crucial to the practice of presence. Because when we press pause, we're creating space, 
right? We take a moment to notice where we are, notice what's happening inside of us and outside of us, and then we can move forward from there. Recently, I've been trying on the phrase, notice what's happening at school with the kids, and I find it to be really powerful with them, more powerful than I expected, actually. I have a couple kids who are really young and honestly really committed to doing whatever the heck they want, which like I can get behind that sometimes, but other times I'm like, bro, look at everybody else lining up to go outside and you got lost on the way to get your coat and now you're in the corner dumping a bowl of beads out on the floor. So like when I see a child off course like this, I'll be like, hey, notice what's happening. And I'll see them like physically pause and look around. And sometimes if I'm lucky, they'll be like, oh, and they'll get it together. Other times they'll ignore me and give me these eyes like, he he he, yes. I know, Sarah, and I'm going to continue to fuck shit up over here, but thanks. Taking a beat to check in and notice what's happening is huge because you can't get anywhere that you want to go if you don't know where you are first. It's like when you put directions in your phone and first your phone has to locate your little icon on the map. Like if I really want to get to California, but I don't know where I currently am, how am I supposed to get the right directions, you know? So remember these three questions that are crucial to presence. Where am I? How did I get here? And where do I want to go from here? There are three words I like to associate with the idea of pausing. They are still, silent, and slow. And these are not our default experiences at all. Like the monkey likes to rush through things and move around and fill our spaces with things and noise and people. We really like to be stimulated and entertained, right? And this isn't bad, but... If we're interested at all in presence or like slowing down time and enjoying our life, we have to work our opposites here, especially because it feels like the world just continues to move faster and faster as things change technologically and stuff. So let's talk about stillness first. The concept of being still is written in literally every single religious, spiritual text you'll ever come across, like the whole be still and know that I am God some kind of iteration of that you'll find everywhere stillness is the highest expression of presence it's the ability to notice where you are and choose to stay there instead of rushing out of the moment and this is how we return power to ourselves no matter how chaotic things are inside of us or outside of us we as the as the i as the self with the capital s we can choose to take a beat situate ourselves within a moment and choose to do nothing at all imagine that it's hard it's really really hard like i said the monkey likes to move the monkey likes to be stimulated the monkey likes to leave moments that are uncomfortable when it feels like it's in danger but through stillness we can practice sitting with the thing staying with the thing becoming friends with the thing and then eventually seeing the thing for exactly what it is but we prefer to hit escape or force the thing to change instead of letting it be and letting it evolve on its own. And by thing, I mean literally anything. Any thought, emotion, experience, story we hold about ourselves, job, person, place, anything. I think the most obvious way to practice stillness is through meditation, but I think that our way of going about meditation can be shifted a little bit. So when we meditate, we start with the body, right? We have to come to a fully relaxed physical state, and then we can move up into the content of the mind. 
I think a lot of us, myself included, forget about this crucial step. So recently, I've only been focusing on this step. So what I like to do is lay down, set a timer for two minutes, and my only focal point or intention is to be still. I'm only focused on the movement in my body. And I see if I can make my breath the only thing that moves. And newsflash, I usually can't. It's hard. It's a practice. That's why we do it. But giving yourself this physical, tangible experience to seek will trick the mind into quieting itself down. I assume that many people are kind of scared off by meditation because it's mismarketed as this completely still and quiet mind. And that feels so unfathomable to many of us that we don't try. But that's not what it's about. It's simply allowing yourself to observe your experience and every single thing that shows up. Even the thoughts that are like, I hate this, I'm not doing this right, why do people do this? All of that, just see it. That's meditation. It's a cycle of observation and return to breath. Observation and return to breath. Or you can also try observation of movement, return to stillness. Observation of urge to move, return to stillness. So try starting with your body and staying with your body. Resist the urge to see meditation as this like, intellectual conquest or like something that you have to do correctly it's just a little game of observation a little game of freeze dance nothing too serious there's this idea in yogic philosophy that's like when you've practiced meditation enough it no longer is this like separate experience your whole life and all of your activities are a meditation and i think one way that we can tap into this is driving Driving is an awesome place to practice the stillness, the silence, and the slowness. And think about driving. like It requires a really high level of presence and awareness, and still, we drive distracted, right? So notice how you drive. Notice specifically what you do at red lights. When I come to a red light, I have all of these automatic urges to leave the moment. It's similar to brushing my teeth. Like as soon as I hit the brake, it's like, hmm, how can I fill this space? Let me check my phone. Let me change the song. Let me throw some trash away in the car. And I think we all do this to some degree. But I wonder why it's so hard for us to just be in that moment of waiting. Like why is it so hard to be still when we're not stimulated? So I've been trying to use this as a place to practice the pause. So the light turns red and I just sit and I try to freeze my body completely and just watch. Try it. See how it feels. I do think driving is one of our biggest mirrors to seeing ourselves. I think that we can look at our behavior behind the wheel as reflective to how we are in our lives. And think about it. We're like, we're driving these death machines. It's like a really vulnerable place. So maybe start to notice how you are in the car. Like what is your relationship to speed? Do you rush when you have plenty of time because you just really want to be at the place you got to go? Do you drive distracted? Do you tend to follow laws of traffic or do you tend to see them more as suggestions? How do you respond to the actions of other drivers that you may not like or understand? Are you inclined to go out of your way to let someone merge? Just observe those things. See if you can learn something new about yourself or perhaps confirm something you already know about yourself by looking at how you drive. And along with those observations, practice your presence on the road. Just let yourself drive and let that be enough. 
take in all the sights and the sounds and the smells and do your best to stay alert to what's happening around you just like we're supposed to do for our own safety but i think a lot of us struggle to do that and that's okay mostly keep your eyes on the road look for breadcrumbs driving is the best place to find them license plates bumper stickers etc driving is where we get to practice taking in what's right in front of us and doing the next right thing and that is what we're all doing on a macro level right paying attention and doing the next right thing next let's talk about silence are you someone who has to have music or a podcast or the tv on at all times no judgment to that question just food for thought noise is incredible and useful and it can enhance our experience and i think being by ourselves in silence is a really really important practice I think it's easy to use noise as a way to distract us from what's happening inside of us. And it's really easy to let other people's voices get louder than our own. So we've got to make room to close those doors of distraction sometimes and just be with our own thoughts because we learn a lot about ourselves in that space. So if you do find yourself practicing your presence in the car, maybe strip away the noise, see what it feels like to drive in silence showers are another place where we really like to fill the silence with something and maybe you love this maybe this is your time to catch up on your podcast and such so like don't take away those things that spark joy but i think that can be an interesting place too to just let yourself like be in the shower with yourself focused on the task that you're doing and one last note before we move on phones If you are anything like me, my phone is my greatest enemy when it comes to being present in watching an actual movie. Like I already have to hype myself up to focus on the big screen and then my phone goes off and it's like, it's primal at this point. Like, oh, I'll just check this one thing and then I blink and I'm sucked into my little screen and I'm reading an article about, I don't know, whales and I have no idea what's happening on the big screen. This is exactly what happens in real life. Phones pull us out of our present moment every single time. And like, we all do it. Using your phone is fine. I just think it's important to pay attention to how often you use your phone and why you're using your phone. Technology is an incredible tool and it can also be a weapon to take us out of our life. Because at any point in time, we can get a dopamine hit somewhere, somehow by just clicking a few buttons. I think it's really, really important to still make that space to let ourselves be with ourselves and get bored, quite frankly, sometimes just to see what comes up when we're alone and not distracted by having the whole world at our fingertips. And I really do believe that practicing these things, the stillness, the silence, the slowing down in these more micro daily tasks does have the power over time to alter the way that we experience ourselves in our life at large. Like if you can teach yourself that you don't have to rush through your household chores, that can bleed into the bigger thoughts of like, I don't have to rush into the next job or relationship or phase of my life. And all I'm encouraging you to do with that information is simply to notice how you are physically moving through your life in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the shower, in the car. Just look, see what you can find. Because say it with me now, how you do anything is how you do everything. 
All right, let's talk about the fast forward and the rewind buttons. These are tricky buttons on our remote, and I think that we need to use them, but we need to use them sparingly and we need to use them intentionally because, as I mentioned before, they can be pretty easy to abuse. We can use them as a way to leave our now, or we can use them as a way to better understand our now. So think about watching an actual movie. The only circumstance in which you would rewind is if you missed something or didn't understand why something happened the way that it did. And as adults who are navigating complex emotions and relationships, I think it's important to refer to the exposition of our film, to rewind and go back and look at our beginning to understand how we got to where we are, which is a big part of understanding where you are. And if you don't know where you are, you can't get to where you're trying to go. I see utilizing the rewind button as crucial character work. This means self-reflection, and this can look any number of ways. You can do it in a more formalized setting, like therapy, obviously, and you can do a lot of it on your own. You can journal, you can simply reflect. I really like to have conversations with my parents, my earliest relationships, my siblings, um, just to get a better sense of what my own personal history is. I'm really fascinated by that practice. I'm really fascinated with nature and nurture and how we become the people that we become. So if it interests you, collect as much data as you can about your own life, especially the stuff that relates to attachment and relationship patterns and communication. I think that's the stuff that will show up over and over and over again in pretty vicious cycles. If you don't get an understanding of why you are the way that you are. I do, however, think it's possible to study yourself to a fault. I do really like to look back and focus a little too much on the past sometimes, which does pull me out of the now. So I'm personally trying to find a balance between self-study and self-care always. But one thing I like to do is remind myself that this is character analysis and this is one part of playing my character. It's important to understand your character, but it's more important to play your part with intention in the current scene that you're in. I think another way you can utilize the rewind button on a daily basis is in remembering the temporariness of all things and looking back to things that you thought would never end or things that you thought that you wouldn't survive and thinking about all of the space that has been since that. And that is at the root of presence, that all things are temporary, all good things, all bad things, all easy things, all hard things, and that they will end. So be in what's happening right now and remember it's not here long. All right, and then we have the fast forward button. Another tricky button that can be both a tool and a weapon. The future is not here yet. It's not real yet. It's real, but it's not real yet. So we've got to try not to get too caught up in a possible self or a possible scene and miss the details of the scene that we're in. Like think about watching an actual movie. Under what circumstance would you fast forward? You don't really, right? You don't skip ahead to see what happens at the end of the movie because you're curious. You can be curious and you can watch the movie as it comes. You can imagine the future, you can have hopes for the future, but when you're watching a movie, you're willing to wait for it. 
you're willing to pause and be still and let the scenes unfold as they do and let the plot process itself. Because if you fast forward through the scene that you're in, you're going to miss crucial details that will leave you confused in the next chapter, right? Your now is the context of your later. So watch it. Don't skip it. This is the middle of your movie, and it's just as important as the beginning and the end. So think ahead, have the dreams, have the goals, make the plans, and enjoy this part. I think there's a really sweet space at the intersection of presence and planning where we can work with the energy of the future to make our now more exciting. One thing I've been trying to do is constantly have things that I'm looking forward to. I've gotten back on my calendar game recently. This was like a spiritual practice of mine in college, but having graduated, it's just been like less important. Uh, or so I thought, but I've been back on the grind and I just love to look at my week, look at my month and intentionally fill in spots that spark joy or get me excited about something that's coming. And one thing that really helps me organize my to-do list especially is I have three columns. One says today, the other says sometime soon, and the last one says don't forget about. Because for me, when I write down all of the things I have to do in one singular list, I get super overwhelmed and I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to do. But if I break it up into those chunks, it helps me prioritize a lot better. And that helps me stay present and focused on what's important right now. Another fast forward tool that I like to use is whenever something's bothering me, I like to kind of scale out and ask myself, How am I going to feel about this thing in an hour? How am I going to feel about this thing in a day? How am I going to feel about this thing in a week? How am I going to feel about this thing in a year? Five years, 10 years. And that just helps me put into perspective the experience that I'm having right now, which pulls me back into this moment in my movie. It's just a moment. It doesn't define the movie. All right, and then the last button on the remote is the stop button. Honestly, I don't have a whole lot to say about this because the movie ain't stopping until it stops, you know? I do think there's something to be said about listening for the stop. This is another phrase that we use with the kids a lot, especially when they're playing on the playground and we notice that another kid is saying stop and the other kid is not stopping. We take that moment really, really seriously because we really want to teach the kids that their words have weight, their words work, and stop is a really big word to use. Stop says, I'm not okay with what's happening. And when we hear a stop from another person, no matter what we're doing, even if it feels fun to us and we think it's okay, we stop immediately. I think it's important to have this relationship not only with other people, but more importantly with yourself. The more you're able to identify your emotions the more you're able to recognize when your boundaries are being crossed, whether it's another person crossing your boundary or you crossing your own boundary with yourself. So I'll just leave you with that idea, listening for the stop, whether it's from somebody else or from yourself. And honestly, let's not forget about the very real thought that the movie is going to end one day. I don't want to get too morbid, but I do like to keep that in mind because... Time is a finite resource, 
And I think many of us avoid touching that thought because it feels too big and too scary. I mean, it is very big and very scary. We really don't know how long we're here. And I think we can make friends with that thought, knowing that we're all experiencing the same thing, and let it energize us into creating conscious relationships with ourselves and each other. I'll close with a little anecdote. So before my grandma died, the last time that I ever talked to her, she asked me, Sarah, what are the advantages and disadvantages of being a yogi? And I was like, hmm, awareness. Awareness is the greatest gift and it is a heavy burden. Like with all things, there is light and there is dark. And I think the darker part of all of this analysis, if you will, is experiencing life through this magnifying glass that you can't really unsee once you see it. And I think the true test of presence is letting yourself be both scared shitless by that reality and really in awe of it. Because at the end of the day, it is a really cool thing that we're able to observe our experiences in this way, being the silly little monkeys that we are. So I hope that you found something in here that landed, something that you can apply into your own life to help you get to know it a little better. And as always, let me know if there are questions, comments, concerns, or any feedback you'd like to share. And if you did enjoy the episode, please consider sharing it with a friend, a loved one, an enemy. It would mean the most. I'm going to try to get back to a more regular schedule with you all because I have fallen off of schedule a bit, but I'm seeing the thing. I'm seeing the thing. All right. Well, I guess I'll go. It's always hard to say goodbye. Stop the motherfucking movie, Sarah. (laughs) Till next time.